Welcome to episode 19 of Give Yourself Some Leeway with me, your host, Eugene Lee. This podcast is dedicated to helping high achievers on the verge of burnout reclaim a healthier work-life balance without sacrificing their growth or success. I'm honored to welcome today's guest, Matt Bennett. Matt is the founder of Optimal HRV and president of a nonprofit, Optimal Innovation Group. Matt's passion for this subject manifests in his books, including his most recent publication, Heart Rate Variability, The Future of Trauma-Informed Care, and also in his podcast, The Heart Rate Variability Podcast. In today's episode, Matt and I discuss the benefits of monitoring your heart rate variability, as well as looking at applications beyond health and sports performance, but also how we can serve to your advantage in the workplace. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can always join the discussion over at giveyourselfsomeleeway.com on our social media, or shoot me an email, eugene at leeway.ie. Thank you, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Matt Bennett. And one of the things that I always like to start with is seeing where you get that spark, uh, how you got onto this journey, and um, where you get that vision. So how did you, like, how did that journey begin? What what was the turning point uh, that made you decide to go down this path? Like, why do you do what you do? Awesome. And, and I love I love it that I, I'm ending up at least right now on a podcast for high performers. So uh, I'll tell a little bit about my journey, but it's just so exciting uh, where it takes you. Uh, uh, the, these sort of ventures uh, when you put yourself out there. So actually, I, I sort of started out on the other end of the spectrum from I know what most of your your audience is, is uh, my background. I kind of have a dual uh, two sides of my brain, so to speak, professionally. I have a uh, master's in psychology as well as a master's in business administration. My friends joke, I should be some evil genius who's trying to take over the world. Um, instead, I've spent most of my career in homeless shelters and uh, uh, child welfare and those sort of uh, arenas. So I, I spent uh, the majority of my career working and trying to help folks uh, with a history of trauma. And uh, for the last about 30 years now, we've gotten some really powerful examples about the devastating impact on trauma on the nervous system. And so uh, as I started to really, uh, from the psychological perspective, just get totally fascinated with the impact of trauma because I knew it was hitting everybody I was working with. Uh, You know, if you were ever on my caseload, usually came from a horrific history of trauma and how it impacted. Initially, I I really did a deep dive into the neurobiology, so specifically the brain. And we know people with untreated trauma, and again, this all can be uh, treated, which is the real good news. Their prefrontal cortex or that executive center can be smaller in size, amygdala larger in size. So I was just nerding out about all this, but but I really felt like I was a physician without an x-ray is I could read all these studies, but how is this impacting Eugene, for example? What's going on under his skin? And so, well, if you made my caseload, I could pretty much guarantee you had a history of trauma because that's the populations I worked with. What I was really frustrated with is there was no way I could tell whether or not my interventions were really having the impact I wanted them to do. Because if I was being successful, we should see an improvement in nervous system functioning. And 
you know, I don't know if you priced a functional MRI lately, but they, they run, you know, pretty, pretty steep price wise. So um, never had that in my budget to afford it. So I just kind of was out there wishing I had that data, but never having access to it. Um, then about five or six years ago, I started to learn about heart rate variability. And I'll, I'll throw out a very generic definition. We could dive into it more um, as you want, but the ability it really measures your body and mind's ability to handle or recover from stress. And I saw that as, boy, this quantifies everything I've been working on from a clinical perspective. Put my MBA hat on. I've also uh, done an equal amount of time writing, training on how we create healthy, high-performing organizations and high-performing people within those organizations. And so I work out in some of the, or I work in some of the most burned out professions here in the States, healthcare, social services, education, law enforcement, all occupy those top spots. Um, so also think about how we could utilize heart rate variability to measure how well high performers um, are also handling or recovering from stress. So, so that was my, my entry was with those in our society who were struggling most uh, but but really opened up great discussions like this is how are you doing today? You might tell me good, but but what is your how's your body handling the stress of your week, um, the month? Uh, you know, and and really using this biometric uh, uh, as sort of a supplement to everything you talk about in your podcast uh, about what what is this uh, new mindset that I'm adapting or these new habits that I'm adapting. Uh, since you already told us our New Year's resolutions has failed. I'm still flossing, by the way. I'm, I'm still in that 10% or whatever it is. Uh, but but how do we start to measure the impact of this? And so, you know, it's great to talk to folks like you because I get a, I get to have feet in both worlds about the people sort of pushing the envelopes as far as biometrics and performance are concerned. And then hoping that I can also be effective of getting that on portions of the population that, almost never get new technology um, when they could use it the most as well. That's, that's, that's great, Matt. Um, I think like when it comes to biometrics, um, I think people's only understanding of biometrics is the likes of Whoop or the Fitbit. Yeah. And um, in terms of heart rate variability, like when, when we look at the Fitbit, you probably just see steps, pulse, and maybe your like sleep quality rating or something like that. Yeah. And let's when it comes to these, let let's say like the mainstream devices, how accurate do you think they are? Let's say when they have extra readings like HRV, let's say on the Fitbit, or would you go by the accuracy of those? Um. So I, I'll give a lot of credit to Whoop. Um, I think they have really focused on accuracy from, from what I've seen. Um, you know, I, I really think where I thought we would be honestly right now, five, six years ago when I started this journey, is there'd be a really good accurate $30 Fitbit out there that could measure HRV. And, and we're not seeing that. We're, we're about an optimal, about ready to get a device to the market because nobody else really has. Um, so at, at that sort of price point that's affordable for, for most people. So Whoop has focused a lot of really good attention on accuracy. 
I, I think the questions come in with the watches. Um, now you got a polar watch with a polar chest strap. You've got really good data. You're you're taking it on the wrist. I, I you know the HRV nerds out there would say Apple Watch, Fitbit. The accuracy is not where we really want it to be. Um, now, are you getting data that's better than nothing? Yeah, I, I think you can make the argument for that. You're you're getting decent data. Would I want to make clinical decisions on that data? Not not really. So um, that's what I would say. It might give you your blood pressure, but if you go to the doctor and you put on the strap, you're going to get a much accurate level. So I would say, okay, uh, you look at things like Whoop. I, I would put Aura Ring in that category as well. Do, do have paid a lot more attention and kind of prioritized heart rate variability. Um, though those are the good 24 hour devices that if you want that level of monitoring can really give you pretty accurate data. And when it comes to HRV, like, um, is there, uh, an average, like healthy range, uh, similar to pulse? Yeah. So, so we, and, and in the optimal app, we give you your population norms. So, um, there, there hasn't been, I, I believe we're going to get much better data as heart rate variability. We were just collecting so much more data on it now, but there's been some really clinical studies done over the years. So it gives you uh, group norms. The, the, the interesting thing about group norms, because I don't think this is a bad thing, is that, that the standard deviation because of genetic factors is so big that we encourage people to look at them and look at look at how you're doing compared to group norms, then forget about it. Like, like it's like be curious about it, but the standard deviation is so big that really it's kind of like your golf game. You, you really want your score to improve versus your last score, not compared to like the best players in the world, right? And unless you're a better golfer than I am, you just want to get a little bit better. It's like your personal record on a marathon. Is that going to get you qualified for Olympics? For most of us, no, but I'm, I'm working against myself. And so with heart rate variability, because of the genetic variations, we really wanted to do that. How do I improve my HRV over time? How, how do I see that my weekly averages are starting to trend up? My monthly averages are starting to trend up. Then maybe I do a new, uh, I, I do a new workout routine. How overall am I seeing my averages impact that? I start a mindfulness practice. How is that? I, I switch, I do intermittent fasting uh, or something like that. How do I see that impact my heart rate variability? So then we run sort of the in of one or the experiment of you, so to speak. And how does this help you? Because intermittent fasting is a, is a miracle uh, sort of way to think about nutrition for some folks. Other folks, it might not work so well. Um, depending on if you're working shifts or, or whatever it might be. So you really, really want to pay attention to your own information, but there are standardized uh, metrics out there for group norms. It's just like if you ever take a statistics class, that standard deviation, so wide that it's like, yeah, I feel good when I leave it, but then I'm like, okay, I need to look at my numbers to really put my, my, my score in context. That's awesome. That, yeah, that's 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 a good way of thinking about it. I think actually one thing I say before we delve more into HRV is and the heart rate variability is, um, what's the simplest way that you can describe heart rate variability? Like, what is what are we looking at? 
Great question. So it's the variation between heartbeats. Um, so yeah, if I can go a little bit maybe for, for the, the, the nerds out there that, that are like, love the nervous system like I do, I'll try to keep it very simple and we can dive into more details um, if you want. But we, we have, you know, so we have the brain, most people are aware of prefrontal cortex, social, it's the cognitive, the emotionally regulatory, we call this executive functioning, uh, makes human beings great thinkers for better or worse sometimes. The amygdala is more the anxiety areas of the brain. So we've got these different brain systems that we talk a lot about, but this is also reflected sort of from our brain stem, which is right here in the neck on down. And this is the parasympathetic and sympathetic uh, nervous systems. And this is really where we get heart rate variability from. And the key aspect of the parasympathetic sympathetic is what's called the, the ventral vagal nerve. And uh, this is the, the vagal's the wanderer. The vagus is the wandering. So it's all of your body controls, 80% of your body systems unconsciously, uh, you know, and is highly related to the stress response. So the, the ventral vagal nerve is really dominant in the parasympathetic system. So the sympathetic system, uh, so oftentimes the parasympathetic system is labeled the rest and digest system. I like to think about more as it's the executive functioning system. What it's doing is it's regulating heart rate and breathing. Um, if you're in your prefrontal cortex, you have lower resting heart rate and, and slower, more paced breathing. Then we have our sympathetic nervous system, often labeled the fight or flight uh, aspect of our nervous system. I, I like to label it the Iron Man part because, again, fight or flight is just too simple. Um, because it's always on. Uh, so Iron Man, and I'm not, I'm not a big comic book person. I've just watched the movies, but Tony Stark has this apex conductor, I think it's called, and it keeps Tony Stark alive. So if your sympathetic system stopped working, you'd be dead like happened to Tony Stark in the last movie. But when Tony Stark needs to be Iron Man, it also gives him that fight or flight energy to be a superhero as well. So I think that's a much better way than just the fight or flight. It's also giving us the energy we need to live our life. Now there's a dance between these two systems, which tells us so much about our overall health and wellness. So every time we inhale, what we see is that the ventral vagal nerve kind of puts a, us a break on our heart rate escalation. So if we didn't have the ventral vagal nerve, our heartbeat would be in the range, depending on the individual, around 110, 120 beats per minute. In other words, if you can think about yourself taking a pretty strenuous jog, that would be, without the ventral vagal break on it, that would be our, our trait. That would be who we met. Mean, so imagine walking through your workday as if you were on a very fast-paced, pretty intense jog in that state all day, sitting in meetings all day. It would be a total miserable existence uh, for us. We may cut back on coffee a little bit, but still be miserable existence. Uh, uh, so what, what we see is every time we inhale, the break goes off, we get an escalation in heart rate. Then on the S exhale, we actually have this ventral vagal break that again, sits on top of our lungs and our heart, which lowers the heart rate. So again, we inhale, that break goes, we see an increase in heart rate. Exhale, that break goes on, we see this decrease. 
So we're talking about milliseconds that we're measuring here. So not, uh, you know, huge variations, but, but if I can connect the science here for a second, most of your audience probably knows lower resting heart rate is usually an indicator of health. Well, if we wanna bring in heart rate variability into that, the less beats you have per minute, the more natural room there is for variation. Like if you're 60 beats per minute versus 80 beats, you have 60 beats and you've got more room for variation within that. I'll keep this at a very basic math sort of level at this point. But the other thing that heart rate variability measures that heart rate doesn't is how much energy do I have? So, so we're seeing the dance, whereas heart rate just kind of gives you, am I relaxed or am I taking a jog? This really gives you a measure because the ventral vagal break really is highly connected to the prefrontal cortex. So we, we've got, since the 1960s, all these peer-reviewed journal articles, um, it's the gold standard for the stress response. But what if we're doing a good job regulating our stress response, we bring the, the best cognitive self to, to our work, to our lives. We are also emotionally regulated. So it's a great measure of mental health. Um, if we're emotionally regulated, highly connected, that's our ability to, to engage socially. So if you think about Daniel Goldman's work about social emotional intelligence, heart rate variability gives you a great measure of that. And then the final aspect of this is where heart rate variability took off initially, at least in the consumer market, is medical health as well. So the early adopters to this were elite athletes, because if you do a hard workout, that's a type of stress. Um, so it shows your ability to handle or recover from the workout. So unlike when I was raised, uh, you know, growing up as an athlete, you better push yourself. You, you get up at 5 a.m. every day and you better destroy yourself or you're not working hard enough. Now people are paying as much attention to recovery in the athletic world as they are pushing themselves. And, and I think this, well, I know this model works for our high performers in the business world as well. Yeah, you've got a job where you may have to push yourself. Are you just as focused on recovery? Because if you're not, you're not going to get the most out of your energy the next day. So again, the, this little bit of this metric, measuring that sympathetic parasympathetic dance, just gives us a simple biometric that tells us so much about, again, uh, emotional, cognitive, social, and medical health. We see drops in HRV. For us normal people who aren't going to break a world record in the marathon, predicts eight, well, nine, and really it's probably 10 because now COVID's in there, unfortunately, of uh, the leading causes of death as well. So, so it, it's a great, very sensitive biometric uh, for medical health as well as the social, emotional, cognitive as well. Yeah, just as you mentioned there, like that's, it's not only sports, uh, like sports professionals that are using heart rate variability. I mentioned that people like biz in business use it as well. Yeah. So I was wondering, I, this was literally just going through my head earlier, that is there ways of using these biometrics, quantifying these biometrics to monitor stress levels and, and performance levels of people in the workplace? Yes. I, the, the, yeah, absolutely. So from the individual perspective, uh, we, we really encourage uh, um, a morning reading. That, that's wake up in the morning, put on your HRV monitor, uh, take, take uh, on our app, it's a three, and it's pretty typical, a three-minute reading. Gives you a really great baseline. We, we suggest morning readings because 
there's just less variables except for the quality of your sleep, which is a huge predictor of performance. You, 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 you know, you haven't even eaten, you know, are you eating bacon or are you having a healthy shake for breakfast? Even that's going to impact your heart rate variability score. So it gives you a really good baseline. And then it basically tells me every morning how much fuel I have in my tank for the day. So if and higher the heart rate variability, the better. If I have a fairly low heart rate variability compared to my averages, I know I'm probably good through about noon. Like my creative work, my my like where I really got to get think or any calls that I might be able to schedule morning, the better. The afternoon, I'm going to be in QuickBooks. Like I, I'm going to be doing boring stuff that I don't want to screw it up, but you know, I don't need this energy that I want to give you and your audience uh, right here. I can kind of kick back a little bit um, and, and maybe do, you know, less intense work that I need there. Now, you know, the interesting thing about uh, our journey with Optimal is initially we set out to fill a gap in the market for clinicians. So if you think about your mental health therapist or your physician, um, we there wasn't really anything in the market at the time to say, here's the people you're working with. Because one of the things that, that really drove my passion for this with the population I worked with is there's some really great research out there that drops in heart rate variability over a two to three day period of time can predict things like suicide, can predict things like self-harm or relapse to an addiction. And so, I mean, I just had to get that to clinicians. Like, here's an early warning sign about life-threatening things that might be able to happen. So we created this database, uh, confidentiality, all that was included for the medical arena. But what we did at the same time and what business people realized we did is we give a great organizational dashboard as well. So not only from the individuals, how's the team doing today? How's the organization doing today? And while I, I say, you know, those population norms, not all that useful. It can help you feel good about yourself if you need it. it Maybe like I'm, I'm well above mine. So even if I'm low for me, I'm good for my population norms. So that can give me a, a little bit of a dopamine boost at the beginning of the day. But if you take a group of 10 people, because uh, that number accounts for genetic kind of differences, take that group average against the average for their population norm, you've got a really good metric about the health of your team, um, the health of your organization. So it gives managers, uh, supervisors, teammates even, a really good metric about the health of the organization. And that's, uh, we recently, and I can give this information at the end, uh, I got tired, honestly, of business people calling us up and saying, hey, you know, this would work. I know you're all about trauma. This could work in our environment too. It's like, I'm tired of these calls. I actually love those calls. Don't get me wrong. But I, we, we wrote a book, The Heartbeat of Business, uh, for how to bring this in, not just to combat burnout, but to really promote high performance as well. So, and I, I really think it's a, it's a management accountability outcome measure. You know, are you able to keep your team healthy? And if you do do, let's say an HR initiative to improve the health of your workforce, is that working? Are you getting a good ROI on that investment? So by creating something that was useful for clinicians, we actually created a great management tool at the same time. And do you think that, let's say, using these 
biometrics, especially from, let's say, a HR management point of view, do you think that there's like ethical or privacy concerns that employees might have that like I, I know I know some people that they don't like, uh, let's say, using the, the Wi-Fi at work because they think they're being tracked. So yeah. do you think that those people, of course, are not going to be comfortable with the manager wanting to know their heart rate variability or their, their heart rate and the likes? Yeah, so absolutely. Well, I don't think there is. I know there is. Uh, so, so a few interesting things to think about with that is, you know, one is you, you've got to protect confidentiality. And, and I, I think it's interesting what it says that I tell someone about heart rate variability. I, I tell them kind of what I told you about. This could be a, I would never share that with my employer. Like that, we get that immediately. Now here in the States, at least, we give you all the information you need personally to take out a mortgage in our name, birth certificate, driver's license, social security numbers. So we give all that over, but this biometric, you didn't even know what it meant a second ago. There's no way you would give that. The, the other interesting thing is that if you then offer people a $25 Starbucks card, oh, they're like, yeah, I'd give them that. Definitely. They, they get almost give away their kidneys for a Starbucks. Oh, a $25 <laughs> Starbucks card. Yeah, we'll give you everything. Do you want me to pee in a cup? You know, what, whatever I want to do to feed my Starbucks addiction. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's an interesting piece because so we we can protect confidentiality. We we can generate reports for organizations. Uh, we can de-identify. Uh, but I think it raises an interesting point. If there's not enough trust to share this, um, what's that say about the organization? Now, we will not work with you if you fire an employee because of their heart rate variability. Like we, we're done with you. That I I really think that crosses an ethical line with this because we need to do protect privacy. However, I think managers could be evaluated on heart rate variability. I have no problem with suggesting that is, hey, you're in charge of the health and the performance of your team. Here is probably the best measure you can get on a daily, weekly, monthly basis of your success there. You know, So I really think it's there. Now, the other interesting, when we get into ethics, the ethical question is, do you want somebody at a call center? Do you care if they went out drinking the night before and they come in, their, their heart rate variabilities dropped 50% from their average? You know, is it any of your business of a, as a manager if they show up and do their job and perform at to expectations? Not really. I, I always encourage managers to don't look at daily scores, look at weekly averages. That, that, that's really going to give you a much better data because somebody might have a sick kid at home, but if they show up and they do a good job, then you don't need to intervene. Now, a couple of weeks of bad score, you might want to check in, offer support. However, do you want your airline pilot to fly your plane if the biometric that measures the stress response is in the toilet? Do you want a police officer to go out on duty? Do you want your surgeon to operate on you if their biometrics is telling you this person is not in a healthy place right now to perform at their best. That to me is the interesting push of this because most of us can go to work. And if we don't, if we only perform 75% of our capacity, probably nobody knows and nobody gets hurt. 
Um, there are occupations out there that I think that raises, pushes that a little bit and says, do you, do you want this person operate on your heart today when they're, they're not doing well? And well, where does that put us ethically? Which um, this, this is where we're going as a society. So these questions are going to be, are going to be there for us to consider uh, with this. So we, we can go around those with de-identifying information for folks. And that's what we do, honestly, for every organization we work with. Nobody gets, hey, what's Matt's score today? Uh, we either de-identify de that uh, for their names, or we provide managers reports on a weekly and monthly basis uh, that doesn't have any individual's names. And so it, is that through optimal HRV that you provide that to managers already? Yes. Yeah. So that's a, a optimal HRV is our app. Um, and then we have a dashboard, which is a web-based dashboard where we, you can have group information, organizational information, caseload information, um, you know, uh, on that group perspective. So, so the app itself is basically can be an individual user. Then we have the group, the organizational uh, level as well for folks. That's that's amazing. Um, I suppose another thing I always like to do is, if you were to summarize um, heart rate of uh, heart rate variability and um, the effect that it has on stress, trauma, and burnout and the likes in three points, what would be the three takeaways that you'd give to someone if they were concerned about maybe quantifying their biometrics um, to monitor their stress levels and the like? So knowledge is good. That would be my first one. So I, I tell you what, tracking my heart rate variability over now five years has improved it over time. And, and I've got data to back that up because I've tried different things. Um, you know, I also know it gives me an early warning sign about burnout. So oftentimes I'll see my HRV start to tank and I'll be like, oh, okay, I need to get a, my, my coping skill for burnouts a three-day weekend. If I can get that on the schedule, I see it pop back up. So early warning sign for that. And then when you talk about improvement, uh, it brings us, this This might be, a, I'll, I'll take this as 0.2 and 3 because it's a little bigger. But there's also a really exciting science about that sympathetic and parasympathetic dance. Because there is a breathing rate, it's called uh, respiratory, uh, excuse me, not residence frequency breathing rate that gets you dancing at the optimal beat. So each of us has a breathing rate anywhere from four uh, breaths per minute to seven. And there's no, it's just genetic. Um, that's all it is. No, I think 4.0 is the best, but that's because it's my breathing rate. Um, but that, that's just because it's mine. There's no data to show people that breathe four breaths per minute at optimal are any better than the seven folks. Um, so you, you uh, in, our, in our app, um, we allow a 14-minute assessment. So you breathe at these different breathing rates, like four, uh, four per minute, four and a half per minute, five per minute, five and a half, all the way up to seven. And what we're measuring is which peaks your heart rate variability. So you, you identify this breathing rate. Again, mine's four breaths per minute. And then when you practice your mindfulness, uh, we got biofeedback in there. We got self-compassion act guided meditations. You breathe at that rate. I, I do it in my morning Tai Chi practice. 
I breathe at this optimal rate. And it really is like, for lack of a better analogy, mindfulness is like taking your nervous system to the gym. We know there's huge benefits to mindfulness. Using that RF uh, breathing rate is like going to the gym on steroids. I know I need to find a better analogy, but without all the bad stuff, the steroids, it gives you, it just maximizes your practice. So not only does tracking, because you get data on how well you're doing and how well your interventions are doing uh, to improve performance, to improve health, again, as a measure of cognitive functioning, uh, social functioning, all the things we need to be happy in life. We also provide a tool that allows you to improve, probably really the best method, even though there's a lot of things we know improve heart rate variability. If you're saying, what's the one thing I can do to improve it? Get that RF frequency breathing rate and breathe. I, I do uh, 20 minutes in the morning during my, it's a Wing Chun practice, but it's kind of, you think about Tai Chi, that, that's a good way to think about what I do in the morning. Um, and then I do it um, while I watch TV in the evening and kind of unwind. Ideally, I would turn TV off, but you know, I already got my 20 minutes in in the morning. So um, I just throw it up there and I just practice that breathing for about 25 minutes um, in the evening as well. I've seen my HRV double uh, since I've started doing that. Now I've done other things as well, but if I point to one thing of why I was a 40 average on my HRV and now I'm in the 80s, uh, it's this, this RF breathing is just, I don't know, not, there's no magic bullet out there. I'm not the guy who says, oh, drink my product and you will feel 20 years younger because my HRV doubled over a period of a year. So there are, there are no quick fixes when it comes to the nervous system for, for, for most of us, especially the high performers. But like I said, you, you pick up running, one run's going to do you some good, but if you're, you're working out every day, that's, that's where you get that, that ultimate benefit. So um, I know I'm only going to give you two, but I know that second one was uh, really long. So. No, that was amazing, Matt. I, I, and again, um, I was going to ask what was the best thing to do to, um, to let's say, alleviate stress and uh, to, um, let's say, improve your HRV. And you said it just that it was the breathing. Yeah. And it's funny because yes. I always use that example when with give yourself some leeway as well. If you're yeah. ever feeling overwhelmed, I always say take a step back, take a moment to breathe, and then address the issue. Yeah, and and and, and again, it's just the simplicity of it. It's just sort of like yeah. it, when we focus on your breathing and yeah. getting mindful and just taking the moments to like really focus on your breath. Yeah, it, it's, well, it's if like you think about the, the science we've already talked about the exhale, right? So so you know we used to say, and mental health people still say this to take a deep breath. Well, when a lot of people take a deep breath, they, they, they breathe in through their chest because that's a, that's a deep breath to them. You're actually activating the sympathetic response. So the type of breath is also important. We, we really talk about low and slow breathing. So one is to, to activate that parasympathetic break. That's what we want to do if calm is important. If you're going to max out on bench press, don't, don't, you're not, you, you want that sympathetic. So take that, that big deep breath but you wanna really inhale through your, your stomach. And when you inhale, breathe in the stomach and make sure if you don't know your RF rate, extend that exhale. Because what you're doing is you're putting that parasympathetic break on that sympathetic response. So when we get stressed out, that sympathetic, our heart rate goes up 
that extra long exhale really brings that back down and, and again, gets us back into that, that optimal cognitive space uh, and, and emotionally regulated too. So we really get there with strategic uh, breathing and then, you know, get your RF frequency. You can, you can go pay a hundred, 200, $300 for a biofeedback person to hook you up to expensive machines or our app will do it for a lot cheaper. Get, get hooked up, find that rate. Um, now I do it like I'm a big, big snowboarder here in Colorado. So when I'm taking the chairlift up, I'll just breathe a little bit of my RF frequency. Like I'll take that time to pause and do some breathing, appreciate nature. So I'll just throw it in throughout the day as well. So you kind of get in, into the habit of that. And it, the goal is not to breathe at it at that rate all the time, because just like you don't want to be jogging all the time, it, it's really, it's a workout for the nervous system that has both the short-term and long-term benefits. That's brilliant, Matt. I suppose for anyone else who's interested in learning more about their heart rate variability in terms of their own health or their performance or their stress levels, where can they find out more about that from you? Yeah, so go to optimalhrv.com, all one word. Um, you'll, you'll see our website, get, get more information about the app. We, we are currently giving away, uh, our, we, I've, I've written two books, one with uh, uh, Dr. Ina Hazan, who is the, the world's expert when we talk about HRV biofeedback, and a great chiropractor uh, partner of ours as well, uh, Dr. Dave Hopper. So we've uh, recently published a book for business called Heartbeat of Business. I've also written one um, just called Heart Rate Variability, where you look at uh, the connection to trauma and, and so more of a mental health uh, book as well. We're giving both of those away for free uh, right now. So you can go there, um, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see the free book offer. Also, we do the Heart Rate Variability podcast um, as well. And we're actually doing the audio book for Heartbeat of Business right now. So if you, if you go to the, the Heart Rate Variability podcast, you'll see like, I think we're on episode seven or eight by the time this comes out. Just go back to episode one. Uh, you can go through the audio book and we talk about each chapter as well. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll put uh, my email in the show notes. If nothing else, I love talking about this stuff. So, hey, uh, reach out to me. Uh, I, I can't talk enough. I, I really think there's life i know because i've seen in my own life i've seen in others there's there's something really powerful about this biometric like I said one thing that measures social emotional cognitive medical health three minutes a day again throw some uh, biofeedback practice on there you're going to get a boost but just tracking this especially in this time coming out of covid um where i believe burnout stress, trauma, just for all of us are at all-time highs. So um, we really hope, we're, we're calling 2023 the year of resiliency and recovery, depending on where you're at. If you're doing great, how are you going to translate the lessons? We call this post-traumatic growth in my field. Translate the hardship of the last few years we've been through into knowledge and wisdom to take into other challenges in your life. If you're like a lot of us and just freaking tired right now, like how do you look at the next 12 months and really create a recovery plan? And we kind of outlined that in the book, talk about nutrition and heart rate variability, exercise, movement, um, you know, sleep's a huge thing, mindfulness, 
social connections. So a lot of the things you talk about in the podcast, we know those also improve heart rate variability as well. So while the breath is sort of our one direct access to the, the parasympathetic, sympathetic, that autonomic nervous system, there's a lot of other habits um, you can do uh, that can also improve heart rate variability over time as well. That's amazing, Matt. Uh, thanks again. And I, I, I was just like, as as you were talking, I was just there like, oh, Matt's got such a good heart, giving all this value. And I was like, no pun intended, but going through my head, I was like, you're such a good heart, giving all this value out to everyone about um, heart rate variability. Uh, so well, I really the do. The thing is, like, we we, I mean, turn on the radio still today. We we talk, even though we know all this about the brain. There's something about the heart, right? That there's uh, through the first things written down in human history, we there's something about the heart. So I just love that the fact that like one, it's great to write a book because you got all these quotes over thousands of years in every culture uh, to pull in from, but it's like, th there is a wisdom to the heart. Uh, doesn't mean we ignore the brain because the brain is just uh, literally mind blowing the complexity of it. But the simplicity of, and the power of the measure that you're, the message that your heart's telling you is, is the one you should listen to because again, you're not going to walk around with a functional MRI machine ready to go at any moment. Whereas heart rate variability, uh, you know, our annual membership is, uh, I think it's $64.99 a year in US dollars. So it's really cheap. Uh, we're about ready to launch our own reader. That's also going to be uh, one of the more inexpensive, but definitely tested and accurate readers on the market. So we, we really want no matter what income level people are at. If you are a high performer making millions of dollars, we want to give you the best uh, app and device possible. Hey, if you're struggling and trying to get over some stuff in your life, we also want to make this affordable for, for everybody as well. So I'm still holding that initial mission is everybody needs this. We just don't want people that can afford a $400 watch or uh, $360 a year, whatever a Whoop membership is. I'm big fans of theirs. Not everybody can afford that. So we want to give the accurate information, give it usefully. You know, the RF frequency, we're one of the few people who do that. Um, and again, I, I want everybody to be on this because it's been it's been life changing for me, not overnight, but but over five years, it's really uh, transformed how I, I look at my health and my wellness because I get a, a measure of how well I'm doing every morning. That's amazing, man. And, and you can tell as well, like that long term investment yeah. in your own health and you were absolutely glowing. So it, it does well, show. I love, I love talking about this. And hey, when that god awful shake I drank before I came on here, I know it does my body good. I don't like drinking it, but I know it's good for me. So, you know, those healthy habits, you know, it just to get data, it just what we measure improves. And so, again, I know you, your, your audience being those high performers, how, how do you know what you're doing sets you up for peak performance? Uh, whether that's an athletic event, whether that's a business presentation, you know, how do you know you're setting yourself up to perform at the best when it matters? And then in your personal life, what, what kind of parent are you? What kind of friend are you? You know, what, what energy do you have to bring to the other aspects of life that are, are also going to feed that peak performance 
um, as well. So if you're not measuring this, if you got a, like an a Apple watch on, it measures this. Again, the HRV nerds out there would question its accuracy, but check it out. Yeah, just play around with it. And like I said, uh, get my books for free. Uh, lo loved, uh, we like I said, we want to give this to the world. Um, you know, hopefully we can build a sustainable business eventually. But right now it's like so much excitement about the impact uh, that we can have. Just want to get this out to as many people as possible um, with that. And if you are a medical professional or therapist or manager, uh, love to talk about uh, how to implement this uh, with people that you work with or the people you serve as well, because it can also be a huge outcome measure uh, for businesses as well as uh, people in the helping and healing professions as well. I love that, Matt. Thank you. Well, I hope you liked this episode and I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, subscribe to the show because it makes sure that you don't miss out on new episodes and it also helps me because it increases the rankings of the show a little bit which of course makes it a little more easily found by other people who may like it just as much as you and if you didn't like this episode or anything about the show in general or if you have any ideas or suggestions or just feedback that you want to share shoot me an email eugene at leeway.ie and let me know what I could do better or just what your thoughts are on what you'd like to see me do in the future. I read everything myself, I'm always looking for new ideas and constructive feedback. So thanks again for listening to this episode and I hope to hear from you soon.